you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Wait a minute. That guy on the grassy knoll's got a gun. He's gonna shoot the president. Holy smokes, I've gotta do something. All right, Lee. Time to become an American hero. Darkmyths.org Minneapolis Media Group proudly present to you The Lone Gunman Podcast, featuring your host, Rob Clark, where research comes to shine and myths come to die. Stay tuned. Be right there. Very Baker makes some rather bold claims about having a personal relationship, a love affair with Lee Harvey Oswald before the President Kennedy assassination in 1963. You might have heard her mentioned throughout the years, several news agencies, investigators, even college universities have tried to research and even discredit her claims. That's because of who she says she is and who she met, Lee Harvey Oswald. She says they met each other while they were working together undercover for the CIA. Since Baker came out with their claims, there have been multiple critics who have brought up several questions and accusations about the validity of that statement, including the political science department at Marquette University. They did some research, and some of what they said differs from what Baker said. So what is it? We're taking a look. According to Baker, she and Oswald both worked at a coffee company as a cover job. In fact, Baker was able to produce time cards that showed her name and Oswald's on the same piece of paper. Now, that time card has actually been validated by independent investigators. It was real. So we can put Judith Baker in the same building as Lee Harvey Oswald in New Orleans, but still there are no pictures showing them together. And there are no remaining letters addressed to one another. The only ones that are there, the only remaining artifacts at all that Baker has are so-called evidence are a pair of shower shoes. She says they belonged to Oswald. There's unsigned letters with a code word that only she can decipher, and vaguely piece together memories of a relationship from 50 years ago, half a century. Now, it does stand to reason that Baker would not have been standing around posing for pictures with another married man, as she herself was married at the time. So it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that she and Oswald knew each other, or even crossed paths, or potentially that their relationship even became romantic. Her story is so compelling to several independent investigators, they've taken her story to task. Even her harshest critics have to admit that Baker was, in fact, a standout science student in high school. But was that alone enough for the CIA to recruit her? And was her job at the Riley Coffee Company a cover job? Because here's the deal. If the CIA had recruited her as a scientist, they would have had to reach out to her as a 15-year-old sophomore in high school for the timelines to match up. 
Now, if their objective was to use her as a covert spy, that would have been one of the most believable covers the CIA has ever pulled off, especially when they have so much access to advanced doctors with PhDs. But that wasn't the role that she said she had in the CIA. She was supposed to be a researcher, never working undercover. Now, when it comes to who Judith Baker was and whether or not she actually had an affair with Oswald, we may never know for sure. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 129 of the Lone Gunman Podcast. and I am your host, Rob Clark, here with you today. And, uh, you know, part of the mantra of this show is where myths come to die. And we've killed a lot of myths on this show. The reason for this being is that unnecessary fairy tales and myths and accusations and assertions only lend to muddy the waters of the research into the assassination of President Kennedy. Now, one would think that in order to focus on what needs to be focused on, you know, you have to eliminate all the the muckety-muck and mud that muddies the waters. Uh, So people have a clear understanding, or a more clear understanding, of what is important to look at, and what you need to take into consideration. And when it comes to the myth-makers, as my friend Carmine likes to call them, people like Beverly Oliver, Madeline Duncan Brown, James Files, Judith Baker, people that have fantastical stories to tell, but no evidence whatsoever to back them up, only serve to muddy the waters. Because... Unless they can back up their story with some kind of evidence or even prove that they were where they were and they were doing what they were doing when they say they were, it's a big, big deal. And when you don't come out until many, many years after what's happened happened and people are dead, um, you have no more witnesses and nothing you say can be substantiated because you have no evidence, physical evidence, um, that could link you with the other person. You know, it's very, very troubling. Now, Rob, why are you talking about this now? Well, I will tell you. Um, I was recently subjected to some harassment on Facebook on a real personal level by Judith Very Baker. That's right. The woman you heard all about in the intro. She has some fantastical claims. I did a show all about her. If you go back in the archives, it's called Punching Judy. I think I did that about a year and a half ago. So go check that out if you'd like to learn my feelings on Judith Baker. I'm not going to recap all that stuff here today. But what I am going to do is to call into question some of these tactics that Judith Baker employs and her associates, because, quite frankly, I have a platform to do so. (laughs) And since she is now a published author, and she's done hundreds of radio interviews, she is now a public figure, and subject to my discernation. So, here's how it's going to go down. 
Judith Baker recently posted a post on Facebook. Um, and the post that she posted was actually an, an email. And it wasn't her email, it wasn't from her, and it wasn't to her. What it was, of course, was an email from a fellow by the name of Ed Tatro to my friend and your friend of the show, Doug Campbell. Now, she published this email. I mean, she copied and pasted it. This email was two years old. Now, why she felt the need to post this, I don't know. Okay, because I haven't done nothing to the lady lately. Okay, I did my show on her and that was about it. And that was almost two years ago. But yet, a couple days ago, she felt the need to post this on Facebook. She says, want to know the difference between a great researcher and a man who claims to be a researcher, but who has motives to discredit you? The same man who attacked me, or the same man who attacked the great researcher, Edgar Tatro, did the same thing to me, by the way. And then she proceeds to cut and paste this email from Ed Tatro to Doug Campbell. Now, of course, when I saw this, or when it was brought to my attention, I should say, because I'm not Judy's friend on Facebook, and I'm not in any of her groups, because I, I quite frankly, don't support her. And the ones that I have been a part of, uh, she has banned me from the group, because I posted my show there. So, I am considered public enemy number one, one of the uh, one of the many by Judy. But it was brought to my attention that she posted this email, so I checked it out. She posted it in a public group, which I could not comment on, but I could see it, and I could read the comments, and I could share it. Um, and I did read it, and I did see who commented on it. So let me break this down, okay? A little over two years ago, me and Doug went to the conference in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, that the historical, the JFK historical uh, group put on, David Denton, Tatro, and all these guys. And, you know, we were there to document, not really document, but to uh, relay, you know, what the speakers were talking about and this and that as part of the media. So, in the course of Ed Tatro's uh, speech that he gave at the conference, you know, I took notes. And, uh, you know, I also talked to him before the conference, and also after he spoke, you know, we closed the bar down with a guy talking. Now, for those of you who don't know Ed Tatro, and I don't imagine many people do because he doesn't have a very heavy online presence, he hasn't written many articles, he hasn't written any books, he's basically a conference rat. Now, <laughs> you know... Ed Tatro is one of the guys who thinks that LBJ did it. He interviewed Madeline Duncan Brown, I don't know how many times. Uh, but he's been researching the case for 45 years. He got to look over the uh, the evidence against Clay Shaw. He's met Jim Garrison. He's interviewed Marina. And on and on and on and on and on. Yet, uh, you know, unless I guess you know Ed Tatro and, he, and you ask him to see something, he might show it to you. I don't know. Um, so basically, he's been sitting on a bunch of evidence for 45 years and never publishing anything um, as far as his research goes. He was on The Guilty Men, um, which was a series in The Men Who Killed Kennedy. 
um, as, as speaking as to, you know, of course, that LBJ was the mastermind of the assassin, excuse me, assassination. Now, here's the problem, okay? <sighs> LBJ as the mastermind. Let me break it down for you folks, okay? The main evidence against LBJ as him being the mastermind, and of course, is of course the rantings of Billy Soestes, who was a what do they call it, pathological liar. He pleaded with the court. He threw his pity to the court, and he said, "You can't. I, I cannot help myself. I'm a pathological liar. You cannot believe anything that comes out of my mouth. I do not know how to tell the truth." Yet we're supposed to believe from this man that fingers LBJ and Mac Wallace and all these other folks as being behind part of the assassination. Okay, sure. Sorry, but that in my book does not cut it. I'm sorry. I cannot put faith in a self-professed pathological liar, okay, in order to save my own hide. No, sorry. That just doesn't count in my book. But... He wants, to, he wants to rest his laurels with that. That's fine. Now, Madeline Duncan Brown. She was Judy Baker before Judy Baker was Judy Baker. She had a fantastical story to tell about, you know, she used to bang Lyndon Johnson. Okay, great. Well, she says the night before the assassination, you know, Lyndon whispered in her ear, After tomorrow, those goddamn Kennedy boys ain't going to be a problem no more. Which implies that he kind of knew that the assassination was coming to the next day. And she, of course, relays that um, there was a party the night before the assassination at the house of Clint Murchison, and that everybody and their brother and their mother and their cross-dressing sister was at this party. And the list of attendees has grown and grown and grown and grown every time she tells the story, despite having zero evidence to back up what she says. Once again, another fairy tale teller, another myth maker that I just can't put my faith in. I'm sorry. So there's that. And then we get to the Mac Wallace fingerprint that Barr McClellan paid for. And he was also speaking at Judy's conference. And, uh, you know, this researcher, Jay, Jay Harrison and Richard Bartholomew was part of this deal. I saw him give his presentation at the uh, conference I was at about the Mac Wallace fingerprint. He's doing it again at JudyCon 2016. Um, sorry to say, but the evidence has been debunked. You know, the uh, fingerprint evidence has been debunked. If you go read Faustian Bargains by Joan Mellon, she commissioned a another fingerprint study on this unidentified fingerprint found on the sixth floor. And her expert, who happens to be a certified latent print examiner, re-examined the fingerprint, which she obtained from the archives in the form of a crystal clear photograph of the print. Crystal clear. Which was then compared to Mac Wallace's Navy fingerprints and his arrest, his arrest fingerprints from when he murdered uh, Ken, Kinzer. And it was determined by this guy that it was not a match. Now, they got this old dude, Nathan Darby, to do the first ma uh, print examination 20 years ago. 
The man went in his, was in his mid-80s. He was not certified at the time to do this. He was using old and outdated methods with inferior photocopies of the fingerprint and his, his arrest card. So, you know, and he's looking side by side with a magnifying glass. And, you know, I think it, it got to the point of ridiculousness that he found like 34 points of a match. You know, I played Walt Brown on here saying, oh, it's a slam dunk. Bob, guess what? A lot of people had to eat their words on this because now using an actually certified print examiner, using up-to-date methods, including a computer, has concluded that the print found on the sixth floor is not a match to Malk Wallace. LBJ's personal hitman, some allege, which there's no proof of either. Okay, yeah, he killed a guy, but the guy was banging his wife. Okay, he shot him in the dick, and he shot him in the <laughs> shot him in the chest and killed him. Understandable. They charged him with okay, he pleaded guilty. They let him go with time served, and that was that. So, now the man who Joan Mellon got to do this updated one, I have not heard his name yet, so I decided to do a little investigating into who was her latent print examiner. Okay, the man's name is Bob Garrett, Robert J. Garrett, or Bob Garrett. Now, he started his career in law enforcement with the Rutgers University Police in 1973. A graduate of the New Jersey State Police Academy, Seagirt, he worked as a patrolman and detective and served a total of 13 years with the department. In 86, he was recruited by the Middlesex County Prosecutor's Office as a crime scene investigator. He attained the ranks of sergeant and lieutenant and became the supervisor of the crime scene unit, serving over 17 years with the agency. Lieutenant Garrett has testified in court as an expert in fingerprint identification, crime scene reconstruction, crime scene investigation, and digital imaging. He has given expert testimony in New Jersey, New York, and Massachusetts. He has provided consultant and training services to small and major metropolitan police agencies, as well as state and federal agencies. He is certified as a senior crime scene analyst, certified latent print examiner, and is a fellow of the Fingerprint Society of Great Britain. Lieutenant Garrett has authored many articles relating to crime scene dis disciplines. He has been a lecturer at state, regional, and international conferences. He serves on the board of the Journal, journal of Forensic Identification, chairman of the board of directors, and past president of the International Association for Identification, member of the Scientific Working Group on Friction Ridge Analysis, Study and Technology, uh, SWAGFAST member, member of the NIST's Expert Working Group on Human Factors in Latent Print Examination, editor of the Criminalist and chairman of the NJIAI Crime Scene Certification Committee. So, this guy... I would say, has some credentials. It wasn't just Joe Blow off the street that Joan Mellon hired. This guy is legitimate. Legitimate. Um, I'm trying to find if he's, if he's got anything else going on here. 
He's editor of the Fingerprint Sourcebook. Uh, he was former IAI president and has worked for the state and in defenses. Equipped to process and evaluate evidence for latent fingerprints, impression marks, document alteration, blood splatter, and examination by special photographic and imaging techniques. Certified latent print examiner, IAI. He's a member of the expert working group on human factors in latent print analysis, NIST and NIJ. So this guy's legit. You know, he serves on the board that certifies latent print examiners. This guy is legit. So, Ed Tatro, you don't have Mac Wallace. Madeline Duncan Brown means nothing. Billy Saul Estes means nothing. What do you got left? What else you got? Huh. I don't know. Well, look, I can't break this right now and play it for you, but at the end of the show, I'm going to play you a tape that I got from the UVA archives, the presidential archives of the 60s. And you will hear Lyndon Baines Johnson in his own words talking to one of his top aides, Walter Jenkins, explain to Walter why he doesn't want to run for president in a couple months. This is in August of 1964. He's talking to Walter Jenkins. The election is in three months, and he is having big, big doubts about wanting to run for president. Okay? So, you know, this diabolical mastermind of the assassination that people like Roger Stone, Phil Nelson, Ed Tatro, the great researcher, that they all, you know think that LBJ did it, and this is what they tell you. This is what they're going to tell you when you go to their conference. They're going to ignore this new fingerprint evidence. They're not even going to speak of it. They're not going to address it. And if they do, they'll simply dismiss it. But you heard for yourself the man's credentials. There's no getting around them. So, the ball is now in your court, LBJ did it, folks. You know, this is what I'm talking about. Muddy in the waters. Get this crap out of here. She's got like three or four speakers at her conference that is going to tell you that LBJ did it. And he was behind and mastermind the whole thing. It's ridiculous. You know, what influence did LBJ have in New Orleans the summer of 63? Absolutely none. Absolutely none. What power does LBJ hold over the Central Intelligence Agency? Absolutely none. Okay? So Ed Tatro, you know, when I first saw this email, I'm thinking, okay, well, Judy Baker got this email from one of two people, either Ed or Doug. And I figured, I'm pretty sure that Doug would not have given her this email. You know, I did did let Doug know about it. I'm like, dude, what the hell is this? And he emailed Ed Tatro, and uh, he admitted to giving this email to Judith. Now, the email was basically nitpicking me for little minuscule things that I left out of his presentation or that I got a little bit wrong. Like, you know, nitpicky crap. Nitpicky crap. 
Trust me, Ed, I got the gist of what you're saying. I just don't believe a word of it. Sure, you're boisterous and loud and you're funny and you're a great public speaker, but what you're saying ain't shit. And you ain't convincing nobody. Especially in light of this new evidence that we have now that we didn't have two years ago that I could have shoved in your face when we were sitting in that bar. Now, to get back to another thing that Judy said, she says that uh, I have a motive to discredit her. Okay? I don't. I honestly don't. I just believe that people like that need to be checked because there are people, blind followers out here that hang on her every word, that believe her blindly and just send her money because, oh, somebody hacked my computer and I need a whole new computer. I need to move again. Somebody found my address. I'm not safe here. I need some place to stay. I need to move. I need to this. I need to that. And they just support her and support her and just hand money over fist her way. And all the while, she's laying out these woven tales and lies about Lee Oswald and, and herself, trying to insert herself into history and change history. If you want to change history, you're going to have to do better than telling a story, at least in my opinion. You know, if, Judith, if she even had just a picture of them together, if she had one letter that was signed LHO or Lee, something, anything, there's nothing. There is nothing. The FBI investigated the case for the Warren Commission. 26 volumes of documents and interviews and testimony. Nobody, not once, ever mentioned Judy. Her name comes up zero times. The Garrison investigation. Look, Jim Garrison was desperate, desperate to find witnesses against Clay Shaw, David Ferry, and even Lee Oswald. He turned New Orleans upside down looking for witnesses, looking for people that was associated with these people. He even had David Ferry in protective custody for a little while. Not once did Ferry ever give up her name. It was never uttered by Clay Shaw. And not one person in New Orleans ever said anything about Judy Baker to Jim Garrison. Or that there was even a strange woman around Lee Oswald that wasn't his wife. Never happened. Go to the HSCA. You know, where they're given they're handing out immunity like tic tacs to people for their for their uh for their testimony, their truthful testimony. All right, here's your second chance. This is the, this is it. This is the this is the last investigation into the Kennedy assassination. We want the truth. Tell us what happened. We'll give you immunity. Nothing you say can be used or held against you or anything like that. Not one person uttered the name Judith Baker or inferred anything about her in the least. Not one zero nada nobody. It wasn't until almost 40 years later, after all these players are dead, any potential witnesses are dead, that she comes forward with her little fairy tale. 
that nobody can refute because hmm, everybody's dead. So it's it's important that these people get checked. Because now she's turning the assassination into a cottage industry, putting on two and three conferences a year, kicking out two and three books a year, and constantly asking her followers for donations and accommodations. And it's just getting to the point where it's just frustratingly sad to see these people that are only cursory interested in the assassination just believe whatever she says. And like I said, I don't have a motive to discredit you, Judy, because for me to discredit you, first you would need to be credible, okay? And you're not. So what I'm saying about you doesn't discredit you because you're not credible in the first place. Does that does does do you comprehend that? Does that sink in? Now, moving on, she has another comment under her post. It says, there is no, and I'm going to read this in the style that she typed it, okay? So anything that sounds funny is her typos. There is no rubber, that's R-B-B, rubber, there is no rubber Clark researcher. There is only Robe Clark, pundit of the Ocelli effect. That's right, folks. That's all I am. I'm just one of Chuck O'Chelly's many pundits, which is ridiculous. I've been on Chuck's show maybe five times, maybe. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a recurring or returning or weekly guest, okay? Like, she doesn't know that I have my own radio show. She was very well aware of it when I did the episode about her, who I am and what I do. But now, all of a sudden, her memory's a little fuzzy. So maybe this isn't Judy after all. Maybe it's one of the other four or five people she had to post on social media for. I don't know. Anyway, you will find him on Facebook sites where I am banned and where it is forbidden to bring up my name. There you will find all kinds of people, deserving or not, who get attacked, who have somehow become enmeshed in the great ingoing saga of the Kennedy assassination. If they dislike you enough for whatever reason, you'll end up like Ed Tatro or me. Anyone who has heard Tatro speak, you will know how thorough and careful he is. He's fun to listen to. He will be one of our honored speakers at the conference this year. Tatro is probably one of the best JFK researchers alive. They can't deal with his truth, LOL. Yeah. Yeah, I can deal with his truth, all right. I just dealt with it. Now what? And Ed, I hope you hear this show. And I hope you got something to say about it. My email address, if you'd like to contact me directly, is thelonegumminpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. You don't need to go emailing people behind my back. Bring it to me. I got something to say to you. I'm addressing you right now as a grown-ass man. And I expect the same. If you got something to say about me, say it to my face. Send me an email, sir. You want to come on the show? You're more than welcome to come on the show, and we can duke it on out. Doesn't really matter to me, because I have facts, and I have testimony, and I have experts on my side, and you have fairy tale tellers, liars, and frauds. So anytime you'd like to come on the show, please send me an email. 
I'd love to hear what you think about the new Robert J. Garrett fingerprint examiner evidence that debunks the Mac Wallace fingerprint. But like I said, all you folks who think that, who've wrote through books about it, Phil Nelson, Roger Stone, Tatro, whoever else wrote that stupid Loy Factor book, Roderick McKenzie, Richard Hook, Mac Wallace has been debunked. Sorry. Sorry. Mac Wallace, LBJ's personal hitman, has been debunked. Debunked, debunked, debunked. I don't want to hear Mac Wallace's name out of nobody else's mouth. Nobody. So the only way you're going to reverse what has happened with the Mac Wallace fingerprint is to get another certified print examiner to re to relook at it again and see what they conclude. Because now you have you're going to stand by Darby to the day you die. It, despite Robert Garrett being over here and having redone it 20 years later with up-to-date technology, and he has the qualifications, and he's about 40 years younger. And he's actually certified. So the ball's in your court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tatro is probably one of the best JFK... Re There's going to be a lot of best JFK researchers alive at Judy's conference. Let's see. Okay, we're going to have Ed Tatro. He's one of the best. Uh, we're going to have Jim Fetzer, who, who Gary King calls one of the best JFK researchers ever. Um, we're going to have Larry Rivera there. He's one of the best JFK. He's probably the best JFK researcher alive, as Gary King would say. Um, <laughs> the list goes on and on. How are all these egos going to fit in the same room with all these great JFK researchers, the greatest of all time? I'm saying this with sarcasm, people. Sarcasm. I mean, these are the people that bring us Oswald in the doorway. These are the people that bring us Jack Ruby was agent, FBI agent, book out. Actually shot Oswald in the basement. I mean, it's to the point where it's just getting freaking ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. So... <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the type of follower she has. Does anyone know the background or actual biographical data of Rob Clark, researcher? I wasn't able to find any information about him. Huh. Well, listen, a-hole. Not to toot my own horn or anything. But I'm pretty sure if you Google Rob Clark and JFK, you might find something. That's just me. You know what, people? In fact, I'm going to do it right now. While I'm live on the air, I have such great confidence in this that I'm going to Google myself live on the air and tell you if this tells anybody who the hell I is. So let's see here. Rob Clark JFK. What comes up? Oh, look, the very first thing on there is my Twitter handle, <clears throat> TLG Podcast. Hmm. The very next one, The Lone Gummin Podcast with Rob Clark, 22 November Network, the WordPress site. Awesome. Next is The Lone Gummin Podcast by Rob Clark, a link to my iTunes that has all my shows there. There's videos that pop up. The Ocelli Effect. Oh, Rob Clark. Is on the Ocelli Effect. Oh, there's another show. 
Sherry Feaster, Carmine Savastano, Rob Clark. Hmm. Then comes up Neopolis Media Group, presents the Loon Coming Podcast with Rob Clark. Hmm. So, oh look, there's my biography in the Ed Forum that pops up. Oh, how about that? Oh, the Lone Gunman in darkmist.org. There I am. And on and on and on, folks. Okay, this, <laughs> these people, her followers can't even do the most basic form of research. That is a Google search. They live in the Judy Baker fart bubble. They don't know anything outside of her little world that she, fantasy world that she lives in. They hang on every word that she tells them. They know nothing different than what she tells them. So why? Why is Ed Tatro sending her an email two years later about me that she feels the need to post? in a public group on Facebook. I don't know, you know. I don't know if they just want the free publicity, but they don't need it. There's, you know, both conferences in Dallas are now sold out. Can't get a ticket. So, you know, it sounds like they need it. Judy has her thousands of followers that hang on every word. And I, I, why, why poke the bear? You're poking the bear here because you poke me, I'm going to poke you back. And I don't quite understand why people haven't f- figured that out yet. Because I'm not shy about getting on here and addressing things that are brought and sat on my doorstep. Now, the post in question was reported to Facebook as harassment. Uh, and the post was removed by my friends at Facebook. Guys, you know who you are. And if another one uh, gets by you, I'll let you know. Um, And then she has the audacity, okay, the day after that her post has been removed for violating community harassment standards. She feels the need to post it again. (laughs) Yeah, she posts it again on her personal page this time. This one says, Facebook removed this post I made and sent me a warning message. I am posting it one more time and ask Pioli, I guess she means people, to copy it. It will only be online for one hour, when she actually left it up for two. If you want this post preserved, copy it now as it is being censored. Thank you. We removed the post below because it doesn't follow the Facebook community standards. And then she copy and pasted the whole thing again on her personal page. To which I reported it again. Um, you know, so this is this is the kind of person that Judith Baker is. She doesn't realize she she, she wants everybody to think that she is so persecuted, and she's the target of of all this. You know, paid disinformation. Let me tell you something, Marty Eichler. Put down the hamburger, buddy. And get your head out of your ass. I blocked you many moons ago. Many, many moons ago. You want to call me a paid disinformation agent? (laughs) That's a joke, dude. A joke. A joke. 
the only paid disinformation agents are going to be speaking at JudyCon 2016 in Dallas. And they're making a hell of a lot more money than I am, brother. So keep your fat face shut, Marty Eichler. Because nobody wants to hear from you. You got nothing to add to the conversation. You're a nobody, a zilch, a zero. You mean nothing. So, of course, this led to a ton of people sharing it, copying it, saving it, screenshotting it. She says, it is already being removed where I posted it elsewhere. Please copy this as fast as you can and send it to your friends. Thank you. Copy this fast before they remove it. (laughs) Hurry, I have to remove this soon. Okay. This is the kind of person she is. She's posting a third-party email in public on her page and in public groups. Without the consent of the parties involved. What kind of person does that for no for no reason? I didn't haven't done anything to her in years, years. Yeah, I can have an opinion on on your cuckoo conference that you're having, and please do have it in Washington D.C. next year. Please, please have it in Washington D.C. next year. Please, I'm begging you, because that's about an hour away from where I live, and I should be able to. Make it there, no problem. (sighs) Can't wait. Can't wait. You know, it's... (sighs) I don't know. It's... I I can't just believe that some of this stuff happens, you know. I'm minding my own business over here. I'm doing... I'm doing, uh... You know, I'm doing my thing and then get blindsided by this harassment... And attacked on Facebook for no reason. Yet she feels like she's the persecuted one. <laughs> I'm not the one making claims. I'm not the one putting myself out there and making it. And here, let me illustrate it for you folks. Okay? I could tell you, the listener, a fantastical story. Okay? Now, my grandfather passed away back in June. I could tell you guys a story about how after he passed away and I was cleaning out his attic, I came across an old audio recording. And on this audio recording was a conversation. And in this conversation, there were several people, several voices. Uh, that was very legible and uh, named names. And they were discussing the Kennedy assassination. And they were divvying up who was going to get paid what and who was going to be where. And who was going to pull the trigger. And what the plan was afterwards. But I told you, you know, all this. But you know, I don't have to tape anymore. God, I know, I know. Before I could get it copied one day, I put it in the machine and the reel-to-reel ate it. Just completely rendered the whole tape useless. 
unfixable. It was it's, it was the biggest tragedy of my life, and no one else got to hear it except me. But this is my story. Okay, I've got I know who killed President Kennedy. Now it's just a fantastical story. You know, you know what I'm saying? Anybody could make up a story. You know, my grandfather worked at a hotel in Dallas in November 1963. This hotel was set up with recording devices hidden in the walls. I could tell you guys so many stories. And I could make them damn believable, too. I could tell them to myself so many times that I would convince myself that it was real. The problem is, nobody knows for sure whether or not I'm lying, unless they can prove it, which they can't. They can only attempt to discredit me as my claims grow and grow and grow. You know, I could say, well, then I found another tape that was uh, taped by Andrew Armstrong in the Carousel Club. Conversation between Larry Crayford and Jack Ruby. Damn it, I lost that tape too. Uh, Machine ate that one too. Yep. You know, anybody can be a storyteller. The good ones have evidence and facts and testimony to back them up. Prove you were where you were when you say you were. Prove you were who you with when you say you were with them. Without any of that, I'm sorry, it's just fairy tales, people. It's just a story. And I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket of storytellers. Not doing it. I've spent way, way too long researching this case to throw away all of that to put my faith and a yarn spinner, a huckster, a fraud, a troll, a real-life troll who preys upon the weaknesses of the less fortunate in the mind department. That's not me. Not me. So Judith Baker, Ed Tatro, keep your name out, or keep my name out of your mouth. I am a radio podcast host. I'm a researcher in the assassination. You want to make claims? It is my right to look into your claims and decide whether or not you are telling me the truth and whether your claims are credible and whether you have anything to back up your claims. And it is my right to form an educated opinion of your claims based on my research and to inform the public about them. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I don't, however, look, trust me, I got a lot of seedy, saucy emails from all kinds of people involved in in the JFK research community that you wouldn't even believe if I posted them from people I can't stand. 
can't stand them. But I would never stoop so low and so slimy to post them in a public Facebook group or on my personal Facebook page. Because that is just fucking petty. Petty. It's scummy. Scummy. I've got emails from researchers that would blow your mind about the kind of stuff they talk about. Talking about other people. That I've been sent, got my hands on one way or the other. As part of an email chain or inadvertently, what have you. I've got all kinds of stuff and I'm sitting on it. But I'm not going to post it. You know, this stuff is not, it was never meant to be public information. Therefore, I'm not going to post it as public information. A private email is a private email, and it's meant to stay that way. And when you post a private email that harasses another person, that's called harassment, and that's against Facebook policies. And every time you post something about me, or anybody else for that matter, in a manner that I don't agree with, your stuff will be flagged. Your stuff will be censored. Your stuff will be pulled. And it won't just be by me. And my friends over there at Facebook, you know who you are. Like I said, if anything gets past you, I'll let you know. Because I got people that report back to me too. How do you think I found out about this? I'm not your friend on Facebook, Judy. People tell me. Yeah, I've got spies. Somebody has to keep an eye on the cuckoo clock. Okay? (laughs) So, yes. Yes, that's so true. So true. But anyway, folks, that's the show for today. Like I said, stay tuned because LBJ is going to tell you in his own words how he doesn't think that he's going to run for president in 1964 a mere 10 months after assuming the highest office in the United States, he's having severe doubts whether he is the right man for the job. This ruthless killer. (laughs) So without further ado, thank you folks for joining me. And here is the smooth, sultry, southern tones of our 36th president, Mr. Lyndon Baines Johnson. I have got the organization can handle a bomb here, war. People who do that won't do it. You know what our limitations are. You've been, you've been with them, and they ought to have the right to do it. And I think that I can hold this thing together. I don't believe there'll be... Uh, uh, many attacks on the orders I issue on Tonkin Gulf if I'm not a candidate. And then I think the people can give the man that they want such a mandate that he might uh, continue the good work we've done. And I don't know who it'd be. I expect it'd be Bobby Kennedy and Hubert Humphrey and whoever they are. But uh, I believe they can get along with the Negroes better than I can. I, I, it's obvious to me that I haven't got the influence here at the crowning point in my life when I need people's help, I, I didn't get to loyalty of 
mayor O'Brien, my attorney general, or anything like that. So I, I just think it, uh, it, uh, I, I don't see any reason why I ought to seek the right to uh, endure uh, uh, anguish that I, uh, that, that I do endure. I want that right. Uh, people, I think, have a mistaken judgment. They think I want great power. And what I want is great uh, solace, and little love. That's all I want. Just think like it. I don't think it. Uh, I don't think a white southerner is the man to unite this nation in this hour. And uh, I don't know who he is, and I don't even want that responsibility. But back to your question, uh, just. Probably ought to have told you about it, but I, I rather guess that anybody's entitled to know you are what I'm thinking. And I think that uh, uh, I think some of them will charge you with cowardice, not going to face up to it. But uh, I'd just be charged with being a coward, being charged with being a thief, and charged with the uh, thing that they do say, and being a manipulator. And, uh, Driver, spent test, all the things that they say. Every every call. I I have tried, and I, I've had doubts about whether man born where I was born, raised like I was raised, could ever satisfy the Northern Jews, Catholics, uh, Union people. And I think. save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. 
and update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send him my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.